Welcome back indeed, episode number 66, Rasball Fantasy Basketball Podcast Sun Edition. Uh, I'm humbled and honored to bring on a special guest for you guys, Rory Ostro. He's uh, the DFS writer, Rasball. Uh, he also has some other stuff going out on the streets. Uh, Rory, what's going on, my man? Nothing much, Stan. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, you know, just for a, a little transparency here, uh, we had a, a, the pod set up for earlier time, and then my my pea brain uh, son just totally like forgot, and I was doing stuff with the family, and then I, yeah, so I feel like an asshole. But um, you know, Rory's been you know super uh, accommodating, so you know much appreciated on that. Um, so Rory writes the DFS stuff for Rasball. Unfortunately, it's only you know one day a week, but you know I get it, man. It's a grind. You know DFS is a grind, so uh, any content that we could get is, is great content. Uh, you know, he's always breaking down both platforms, FanDuel, DraftKings, you know, mid-price, high-price, you know, going through all the tiers and stuff like that. So uh, it's been good. So I'm lo- really looking forward to um, kind of introducing him to you guys. So you guys get to get to know him a little better, uh, you know, offer him a platform for his stuff and, um, you know, do all get, do all that good stuff. Uh, real quickly, though, um, usually, you know, because by episodes, we always, you know, doing the numbers. Uh, in terms of like, you know, points scored and, and numbers. So since it's episode number 66, um, the number of players in the NBA that have worn that number, Andrew Bogut, Price Brookfield. No idea who that guy is. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Grady Lewis, Scott Pollard. All right. Alex Tupain. So I know two of those guys. I think I've heard of three of them, three? but I uh, would be hard pressed to tell you who Alex Tupain is, but the this name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's crazy. All right. In terms of number of points scored, uh, yeah, obviously that Wilk guy, he, uh, he's the only one. He did it one time. So uh, he's pretty awesome. Um, all right, Matt. So before, you know, let everyone people, let the people know, you know, your Twitter handle and then, you know, you have another pod that you do. So why don't you uh, why don't you pimp that one out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, be honest, not really on Twitter. Uh, did some did some sports writing stuff back um, while I was graduating from college, and I have a Twitter from there, but haven't used it in quite a while. Uh, but I will plug my podcast. Um, okay. It's the B Ball Oracle Fantasy Basketball Podcast. You can find it on Spotify. I've only done about three or four episodes right now, but do that when I have time and uh, talk about really everything that I, I want to, um, my most recent, um, my most recent episode is about my DFS process. So I go through that from start to finish in pretty good detail. So if you're ever reading my articles on Razzball and are curious about how I, uh, come to arrive at my picks, um, I would listen to that episode and you can find me on Razzball under the B-Ball Oracle moniker. Yeah, no, awesome. Uh, no, that's good stuff. Uh, so, all right, man, let's, let's, let's jump right into it in terms of your, kind of uh the genesis of your fantasy uh journey uh how did that start yeah absolutely so uh like most people who are into fantasy i've been playing fantasy football for a long time casually with my friends um i i really love just watching basketball and in general and i started to get frustrated with how random fantasy football is uh to (laughs) be honest no doubt you can you, you can draft a great team, but one or two injuries will just kill you, or yeah. a weird week for your star player. So, um, I really love fantasy basketball because every player on your roster matters. I'd, in general, I think the best managers and the most active managers tend to win leagues because the those last two spots on your roster man they matter just as much as your star players, and you can just cycle through everyone and the knowing the rotations of every team and knowing who comes in for who and being really in depth with that. Um, it just helps you win. And I like, I really like the skill aspect of it. And especially with, um, with DFS, um, I started doing that about four and a half, five years ago or so. And just, uh, the first time that I turned, uh, $2 into $50, I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they get you. Yeah, that's how they get you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say, uh, most, most DFS players are not winning players. I'll uh, yeah. be honest about that. But if you, um, if you know what you're doing, you can absolutely, um, have a lot of fun with that and then still make some money on the side. So it's yeah, a good time. no, for sure. So, um, do you watch a lot of games or is it strictly numbers? 
Um, I would definitely watch some games. I mean, uh, I try to watch um, games at least once a week. Um, okay. And I'm a Knicks fan, so try to catch as many of those games <laughs> as I can. Um, but honestly, it's a lot. I'm just a fan of the league in general. And the Knicks are fun, but it's a lot more fun to just watch all the teams that you can. And uh, I got a league pass this year for the yeah. first time. And uh, just jump between whatever games are interesting. And yeah. yeah. No, league pass is awesome. Um, Knicks looking good, man. They're looking good. Knicks are lo- Knicks are looking good. I was a. I wrote the uh, Knicks preview yeah. for Razball at the yep. beginning, and uh, I was way down on Jalen Brunson. Uh, <laughs> I was pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty wrong about that one in hindsight. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, borderline. He didn't make the All Star game, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of Knicks fans. But um, he, he's he's been amazing. He's been well worth the money that we're paying him. Randall, uh, the shootings come back around a bit this year. Um, the turnovers and the efficiency have gone. Efficiency's gone up. The turnovers have gone way down now that they have an actual point guard on the team. Uh, R.J. Barrett has not progressed at all, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's a good fit for that squad. You know, like... I don't think I don't think he is. Yeah. And I, I actually feel like yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's they drafted him third overall. He's still what, in third year only, but um, they with Hart now that they traded for him. I feel like a closing lineup of Brunson, uh, uh, Grimes, Hart. Randall and Robinson when he's back healthy it makes a lot more sense than having Barrett there because Barrett the only thing Barrett offers to a team is his ability to create his own shot yeah. and they have two guys that do that pretty well and he he's not efficient doing it he doesn't offer any playmaking he doesn't offer any defense and Hart rebounds way better than him he's yep. way better on defense yep. so he's better at hitting those open threes so yeah, we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah no I'm with you and you know I Dibs is gonna absolutely love him um you know, so I, I can see where uh, he's going to give him more run. Yeah, like you said, I think Barrett, his role, his best role is the microwave, but they have quickly, right? He's a better microwave so, than, than Barrett, so. <laughs> exactly. At this point, I don't really see where he fits. Um, and I don't know how other teams around the league value him. And if the Knicks are really trying to compete now, yeah. I, obviously it's too late too for late, the yeah. trade deadline, but we'll see. We'll see for next year. I mean, a, a Barrett trade might be on the horizon for one of these bad teams that we'll, uh, we'll talk about later in the show. Yeah. Just for... Um, a little bit of a reclamation project at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's young. So I think his value, you know, it's taking a dent here. But, you know, because he's so young, he has some, you know, the the allure of the upside and potential is still there. I think the Knicks, have, you know, they should be able to get something pretty, pretty valuable for him. I would uh, hope so, so. That'd be interesting. Are you from, are you in New York? Are you from New York? Uh, I'm from New York. I'm, uh, I live in Massachusetts now. Uh, right oh, Boston. my gosh. Um, That's like. Dude, enemy territory, man. Yeah, sir. Yeah, I, I can't. I'm, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Jets fan. Uh, it's a it's a tough life talking about sports around here. But uh, when uh, yeah. where in New York? Uh, from Westchester, Westchester. originally. So okay. it's like 45 minutes north of the city. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know the. I know the area. I went to school up there actually, uh, near Poughkeepsie. So. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So that's taking... like a, that's like yeah. It's like an hour from where I grew up. Exactly. Uh, so there you go. Take, taking the train up there. So. Uh, yeah, I'm well versed in it. Uh, what you went up to Massachusetts for? What school, work? Uh, both. both. So I, um, yeah. So my uh, my actual job is that I work for I work for the VA and I do public health research. Okay. Um, so I got my so I got my master's here at uh, Tufts in uh, nice. epidemiology and biostatistics, which uh, I don't actually use a ton in my day to day job, but uh, but the prob- but the probability and the math uh, yeah. helps with my fancy stuff. Yeah, so yeah, we'll, no, for we'll, sure. We'll take it for sure. So uh, you doing a lot of modeling? Um, honestly, not as much as no? I should be. Okay. It's more, I, it's more just, I think it gives me a good understanding of hot, str- hot streaks that are not real, cold streaks that are not real. The understand, <laughs> the understanding, the understanding that minutes and volume are king yeah, most of the definitely, time. Definitely. And no, I mean, I mean, you go, you go on Reddit and you find people who just do not understand the long term of anything they yeah. look at a three game sample size and they're like this is what's going to continue for right. the rest of the season and it's like you got to look at the bigger picture you got to understand the context this is happening and then yeah. three games is nothing five games is nothing yeah but... no agree i think you know cam thomas um that was like a perfect <laughs> yes. example i mean there were dudes right there were dudes dropping like real legitimate dudes for cam thomas and it's like yo yeah. like come on man but he's done but he's done this before, and if you're yeah. paying attention, like, you know he's the type of guy, like, look, if he's the number one option on the court, yeah, he does this. He can absolutely yep. score 40 points. He did it three straight times, but in real-life basketball context, he's only a scorer. He's a 6'3 shooting guard. He doesn't really do anything else. Exactly. So 
And now that the Nets have the lineup that they have, and it's like he came off the bench and he's going to be like a 20, 25 minute a game guy. He's probably going to still be able to score like 16, 17 points a game or something like that. But that's really all he's doing for fantasy. So, I mean, that's helpful in some leagues, but he's definitely not worth dropping a legitimate player for, which yeah, a lot of guys did, like you said. For sure, for sure. Um, Do you, you still playing season log as well as the DFS streets or? Yeah, so I still play season long. Um, yeah. Uh, so my yeah, actually, just said this earlier, but my introduction to fantasy basketball is honestly just playing with friends for the most part, yeah. and um, and uh, I tried to decide to take it a little bit more seriously this year just because I was a little tired of dominating casual points leagues. <laughs> <laughs> um, because because I know the I know these streamers and no one else is paying close enough yeah. attention. And if you get the Drew Eubanks of the world at the end of the season, you yeah. just win. But um, so hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold on. So, before before we continue there, uh, I wanted to kind of veer off into this. Like so, um, season long, you're playing mainly points leagues or categories or both points. So the only categories league I'm in is um, the writers league that we're in. That's my first time okay. playing categories ever, okay. to be honest. Which I know is pretty rare for someone who's yeah. really into fantasy basketball. But yeah, my other two leagues, I'm in random leagues that I found with just people on Reddit, and mm-hmm. those are both points leagues. One of them is just a standard 10-team redraft league, and the other one's a 12-team dynasty. Um, I really like the 12-team dynasty because the rosters are huge. It's uh, yeah, it's 20, it's 20-person rosters including the IR. So. Okay. Finding those diamonds in the rough, like yeah. we'll be talking about later, yeah. is like absolutely essential. And um, I also, it's fun because you can play around with trading or draft picks, and uh, people really value those differently. So yeah, I was able to, so I was able to trade um, for Trey Young earlier this year in a league where the best player I gave up was like Michael Porter Jr. Just because I gave a couple of first round picks in there, but if i'm as good as i think i'm going to be in that <laughs> league those first round those first round picks are honestly yeah. i mean they're fine but the odds of you really finding a fantasy difference maker with like the ninth to 12th player in an nba draft for the most part is pretty rare yeah so, so I, I like i like that deal and okay. i like doing that okay so you find most of your i guess um edge advantage uh basically in streaming and towards like the the lower tier players uh so I would say, yeah yeah okay say so so how do you approach yeah. like um, I guess like rank? Are you doing your own rankings, projections, or you doing you know things like to to kind of put everybody into their own special tiers? It's really just following. I would say my DFS experience really lends towards finding these guys in the season long formats, is because if you want to be good at DFS, like you know, you really need to know every team's rotation inside yeah. out, and you can. You can follow the injuries at the beginning of the day and be like, oh, this guy is likely to start or this guy is likely to get more minutes or usage because this player's out or whatever. But as the NBA is nowadays, guys get ruled out like five minutes before lock yeah. or like 10 minutes before lock. And you got to be able to pivot quick. Yeah. So if you really want to actually do well that night. So I feel like that experience of just knowing knowing inside and out all the team's rotations um has really allowed me to be able to be really quick on these injury pickups, um, especially in these more casual leagues like my points leagues. The writers' leagues a little bit of a different story. Everyone's uh, pretty quick on the on the mark there. Yeah, been able to get a few. Been able to get a, the pickups that I've gotten in the writers' league. I've had to stash for weeks in advance, like Zach Collins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was able to was able to get Colin Sexton at the deadline, which I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, but nice. um, but no, but I had had to hold uh, Collins for like three weeks in that league. So I knew someone else would take him. <laughs> Yeah, you got to do that, you know, uh, preemptively. Yeah, you got to, uh, that's how you get, you know, the bargains and, you know, you got to pay for it for sure. You know, it's uh, like I, I write a DFS article too for a different site. And, uh, you know, it's, it's annoying, right? Because sometimes I had to write the night before or the morning of. And it's pretty much, it's a, it's a fucking useless article, right? Because, yeah. you, you know, like, like seriously, like it really doesn't mean anything. So like when I write it, I'm like, ah, oh, what's the point? But you know, they just, you know, they want the content. Right. And then, yeah, basically, you know, the, I mean, you just have to, whatever, 3.30 Pacific time, you know, is basically, yeah. Then just look at the injuries, look at the lineups and then that's it. That's, that's where it's all at right there. That's where it's absolutely all at. Yeah. So like I write mine on, I've been writing them for Wednesday slates on Tuesday night, the yeah. night before just because yeah, I work nine to five yeah. and I don't really have time to write a full article when I get off work. But yeah, like I put a disclaimer at the start of all those articles, like look at injury news. Yeah. It will, it will open up value. You can, I think there's value in those articles the night before for um, for the spend up options yeah, yeah. and for some of the mid price or higher mid price guys. Because at the end of the day, you still, if you're gonna want to, if you're gonna win a tournament, you still have to have the highest price player for um, sure. or the highest scoring, yeah, yeah. highest scoring player on the slate for the most part. 
And that's you can usually identify that the night before, unless yeah. there's a crazy amount of injuries. But yeah, no, that's true. That's a that's a really good point. All right, so do you prefer Fanduel or or DK? Fanduel uh, by a lot, okay. actually. Okay, let, <laughs> let's hear it. Why? For a few reasons. Okay. Um, one, it's just what I'm more used to. I only started playing DraftKings this year, but um, Fanduel the pricing is a lot softer. It to is. be honest, uh, DraftKings, DraftKings, it is harder to build a lineup of yeah. players it's that tough. you really yeah. like. It's it's tough to really get a, pl- a good lineup under the salary cap there. Fanduel I also like more because it adds. I was just saying how I don't like fantasy football as much because of the chance aspect, but in DFS it's actually kind of nice because you need to get lucky <laughs> to win. Right. Because they, they value the steals and blocks at a point more yeah. on FanDuel, yep. which I found that if, if a player has a crazy stocks game, like that can really tip the scales in their favors. On DK, it obviously matters still, but it, it matters more on FanDuel uh, to be able to get those crazy um, outlier stocks For sure. games. For sure. Do you prefer, oh, obviously, you prefer the one center versus? That too, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. You um, because yeah, centers are crazy valuable in uh in DFS. Yeah. You just kind of on Fanduel, you just gotta kind of stake your claim on where you're going that night, yeah. unless you really want to mix and match. But yeah, most nights it's are you going mid range, are you completely punting, or are you playing Jokic or Embiid? Right. And, yeah. So 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 let me ask you this: like sometimes I feel like Fanduel, um, it can kind of box you into a certain build just because there's certain like roster restrictions, right? Like two, right. Two guards yeah. or two forward. And the, the one center is actually the big one because, you know, whether dependent on, I guess it limits the number of paths uh, in terms of line, lineup construction, because dependent on who you basically pick as center, right. That kind of, so, so taking that into consideration, like, or how much weight do you put into that? And in terms of like, uh, you know, projections and ownership projections and, and kind of lineup, you know, roster construction. Yeah, I would agree with you there. It definitely boxes you in more and, it it'll definitely make those chalky players even more chalky on FanDuel, and I it just makes you being a little bit more different even more important. Yeah. So you got to be able you got to be able to find those like five to fifteen percent owned players that make your lineup just a little bit different than everyone else. And I always like to say, people think that getting different in tournaments means you have to play like some off the wall like bench guy who's only getting like yeah. fifteen minutes. Like that's not that's not the case. You just got to be. You just can't be completely the same as everyone else, especially on these larger slates. You just need to get a little bit different, and that's enough to win a tournament. Like, I've won a few tournaments this year, and my lowest-owned guys were still only, like, 10%, which is, like, still still yeah. decently high-owned, but still no one in that contest had the same lineup as me. For so, sure. Like, you don't have to go crazy. So how, how are you approaching Chalk in general? Is there a... Uh, yeah. yeah, it depends. Yeah. It really depends. Um, at the end of the day, I think you need to know what the probability is that that player is really going to actually play pay off their projection, which some of that's luck. Some of it's just knowing who yeah. they are. Like, for example, like, um, in my, um, the podcast I just do where I describe my pod, uh, my process, I use the Tyus Jones, John Morant example a yeah. bunch of times. I'm eating the Tyus Jones chalk every yeah. single he's time. He's really good. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's great when Moran, Moran yeah. is out. And that's, that's like, there's one time this season where he really busted where Moran wasn't playing and you know what you lose that night. It happens, yeah, but yeah. There's some there's some guys where you just you have to eat the chalk, yeah. and then there's others where people might even be on like the wrong chalk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it ha- it happens. Like with this net situation yeah. uh, recently, like way earlier in the season, I remember like Edmund Sumner was starting, and he would get like 25, 30 minutes, and he wouldn't really do much with it, <laughs> and he'd be like forty percent owned in contests, and it's like if you can avoid that, then so. It, then that's great. I would say my approach to chalk is generally you got to look at the player's role in on their team. So you got to know who's going to be the primary ball handler. You got to know who's really getting the usage that night. And yeah, some people just like to make this one-to-one comparison where if like the starting point guard is out, like the got to play the backup point guard. And that's not always the case yeah. because a backup point guard on some teams just they're not that guy. They're not going to come in and run the offense. They're just going to come in and really just dribble the ball down the court and hand it off and then sit in the corner or whatever. You just got to know who the high usage guys are. And that's like an example, like Cam Thomas and those, some of those recent crazy games that he had, he wasn't even starting. (laughs) So I was able to get him at lower ownership, especially the first time he went off because people, Oh, he's not in the starting lineup. So he must not be doing much. And people pay way too much attention to that. They do. It's more, it's, yeah, it's way a bit more about knowing who that player is, what their role is, what their usage is going to be, and yeah, no, for sure, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely edges in that because I think a lot of people, um, 
they look at the Vegas lines, the totals, right? They gravitate towards obviously the higher total ones, and then the starting lineup, who's in starting. And like like you said, you know, like sometimes the microwave off the bench is is actually a better play because the usage rate just spikes. So yeah, I'm total in agreement with you. In terms of okay, so you know, there's like the higher price chalk, the lower price chalk. Um, is there a differentiation for you in that? In like in terms of the price, because for example, like sometimes like, um, do you find that people gravitate more towards like the lower price chalk, higher price chalk, and in terms of like if the chalk busts, is it really gonna hurt you that bad? That, like that, that type of stuff. So yeah, yeah, go into that a little bit. Those are all really good points. So. Um... I tend I tend to find that people um, gravitate gravitate towards the low price chalk, yeah. where they these the, the the really obvious injury replacements and like for example like um, Demar Derozan's been out for a couple of games and like Zach Levine is in the mid sevens on on uh, Fanduel and he's um, he was like sixty percent owned in like the last contest I played where I played him and that's ridiculous <laughs> and I think he had a good game but I would say I would say in general. People try to differentiate themselves a bit more at the top. So even if there's like a super obvious top top price play, they're not going to be crazy high owned, except if it's like Giannis. <laughs> and and the middle price, it can it can really depend just on the situation. I would say the most consistent ones are definitely those lower price plays yeah, where, um, where people yeah people would really gravitate gravitate towards those one to one fill-ins. But you make a good point in how much it's going to hurt you. It's Sometimes out of these min price players, all you need is them to just not get like five points. Yeah. Like if they, even if they get like fifteen or twenty, like that's obviously not great. But as long as it doesn't completely kill your lineup, you can still at least get to that cash line. Which yeah. obviously the end, the end goal is winning tournaments. But if you're just consistently hitting that cash line night in night out, then you're still gonna make money at the end of the day. True. And and I would say for the high the high price chalk, it really comes down to like those real real studs like. Giannis, Jokic, um, this season, who else? Like Luca, um, not really LeBron as much, but you get my point. Yeah. Every single slate that those guys are on, you basically need to be like, am I am I running with these guys or am I going to try to get different? And you basically need to be, because they're so high priced in the first place that you need to, are these guys going to get 60 right. points on either side this game? And if you don't feel like there's a realistic chance for them to get there, then I'd fade them. And if you feel like they're in a great matchup or in a close game, that it's going to push them to actually get all that usage and get to that um, slate breaking point. Then you, you have to play them because Luca, 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 Giannis, Jokic, all those guys can absolutely break a slate if you don't play them. <laughs> it's crazy. Like they're so freaking good. Are you playing um, uh, more uh, single entry, more you know multi entry, uh, GPPs? Single what, what are you doing? Single entry. Single. single entry GP. Single entry GPPs okay. is where I generally make my money. Um, and like like three max center ones like I'll, I'll throw in a lineup into like the big contest of the night just for fun here and there but yeah. if you're actually if you're actually trying to make money doing this um cash games obviously but i just find those boring yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> but, <laughs> but no single entry is where you gotta go because if you're go if you're entering those 150 max contests and you are not um and you're not entering 150 lineups then you're at a serious disadvantage to the people who are because yeah, sure. and especially Especially those higher price ones. I mean, you're competing with you're competing with the um, the people who are using the optimizers and are dropping like hundreds of dollars on this every night. And they're just they're gonna play those off the wall plays that sometimes work. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's tough to compete with that if you're only doing a few lineups. Yeah, no, agree. I I, I enjoy the single entry uh, more myself. Um, yeah, like you said, it's just yeah, you just have such a big disadvantage. You know, although you know there have been many times where I've seen single bullets win. Um, but you know, that's more for just marketing purposes. It's <laughs> uh, very few and far between, you know, like those, like you said, those guys are investing, not hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. You know? Oh right, yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, some of these contests you see, I mean, they have a thousand dollar entry fees and I mean, yeah, I'm not doing those. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm not that serious about this, but, um, no, the, yeah, don't compete with those guys. It's not, you're not going to win. Yeah. No, no, definitely. It's, uh, yeah, there's no point, you know, it's like banging your head against the wall, right? You want to find the game that's the softest and that's the easiest to make money. Um, like 
no need to be a hero. Like heroes always die except for in movies. That's that's my yeah. you know that's my quote. Yeah. <laughs> and those single entry GPPs. I mean, even the small entry ones, like that, you can still turn a dollar into three hundred dollars. Yeah. And you know, three hundred dollars is not life changing money, but it's fun. Yeah. It's and that that's what this is about. At the end of the day, is you're just it's having fun, and it's a way to it's a way to have stake in any NBA game that you're watching for that night. So like for example, like the, that one night a week. Rom watching games like I'm definitely playing DFS that night because then I can switch between whatever game is on and I have stick in every single game. I might have some of those guys in my season long leagues, but I'm probably gonna have at least some stake in every single game that night for the most part. For sure, for sure. What um do you prefer the the larger slates or the smaller slates? Middle. Um I've been writing for the larger slates just because that's when I have time to do yeah. it and it's tough just because there are so many options. Exactly. Um I, re- I think the sweet spot is honestly in that six to eight game range mm. um, where you you're not going to have you're not going to have crazy chalk. There might be a couple plays here and there just based on injuries, but you don't have to get off the wall to get a little different and you can get lucky and do well in those. I think on these like three or four, I hate playing the playoff DFS and I'll still do it because I'm starved <laughs> for it. But, We're degenerates, man. But those. Yeah, but those but those games are tough. Like yeah, you yeah. you have you have to get you have to get everything right, and you're probably splitting the prize with like 50 other yeah. people too, because there's just so, only so many combinations that you yeah. can make. So no, I really think this the sweet spot is in that six to eight game range where there's a bunch of options, but you're not gonna get it, you're not gonna get that one percent guy who is the highest scorer of the night and just some random dude has him and then you lose. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. What about um? preseason or at the end of the season the funny season when the funny games oh, I, lo- oh, I love funny season. <laughs> funny season is a lot of fun and i've actually made a mental note to myself for especially on the very last day yeah. of the season it this year yeah. I, don't, I don't care about the salary cap like i might ha- i might have a lineup of like all min price guys that day because you have random dudes yeah. who just completely break the slate like Emmanuel quickly had like a 30 point triple double last year on the last day of the season uh I remember Mario Azonia went off with like a string of triple doubles. Uh, Jalen Horde for the Sun for the Thunder just like was absolutely destroying last year around that time. So I don't know. I like going back to like diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Like that's fun because if you're paying attention, you can get a serious edge on people yeah. with just names that no one has ever heard of before, and it's great. It's no, a lot of fun. Definitely, like you said, the salary is actually uh, a benefit. Uh, for you know people that do the the work and the research because most people are, are kind of conditioned to use as much of the salary cap as possible because they feel like that's the most optimal way or plus EV way but in that scenario yeah it's irrelevant it means nothing because right they're not not factored into the algorithm so yeah that's definitely where you get the edge so diamonds in the rough that seems to be kind of like your niche your specialty um so man let's dig into that man like in terms of your process and kind of like some dudes that kind of are standing out to you Go for it. Yeah. So post trade trade deadline, there's a few teams I wanted to talk about. Where it's just the Spurs, uh, the Hornets, and the Pistons. Okay. I wanted to start here with the Spurs with a couple guys, Zach Collins, who we already talked about. So Collins in the uh, four games since he's uh, been a starter, since uh, Pirtle was traded, he's averaging 16, eight, and four and a half assists with uh, 1.5 threes made per game. He's doing that on 54 from the field and about 38 from three. And I don't know. I get a lot of my I get a lot of my uh, fantasy basketball discourse from Reddit um, because I just don't have a lot of people in real life who love this as much as I do. Um, But um, so that's so that's where I'm kind of getting like the like the how do you say it like the feel for what a player is going to do. And there's a lot of doubters. There's a lot of doubters on Reddit about Zach Collins just because he's been injured his entire life. He's definitely uh, viewed as a draft bust at this point, even though I think that's kind of unfair. And I was just digging in a little bit. This guy's only started 27 games in his entire career. Um, I think he's still young. I think it's way, way, way too late to, um, to be uh, writing him off. Um, Like those averages, like I said, just in four games as a starter, that's really great. That's definitely 12 team standard worthy. Um, and um, the blocks might not come. The steals might not come. I don't think he's going to be a huge defensive guy. Their their defense in real life is going to be terrible. I would definitely target the Spurs sure. uh, to play to play against. If you think the game's going to stay close, there's going to be a lot of blowouts there. Um, yeah, I just I'm loving Zach Collins post trade deadline and especially in silly season. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a guy who could really go off. Um, another one here is uh, Malachi Branham. He's a rookie this year out of Ohio State. Um, 
in terms of category leagues, I'm not really sure how valuable he's just going to be just because he's not, he's not an assist guy. He's not a stocks guy. He's not a rebounds guy. He's really only a scorer on decent percentages and threes, but for points leagues and for DFS, um, I'm, I've been liking him a lot. He was a guy just before the all-star break that, um, when I was uh, writing up the most recent slate I did, and I played that slate, um, at least in the lineups, uh, the contest I was playing, he was only like 15 to 20% owned somewhere around there at like a 5K price when he smashed that on that particular night. And I don't know. I just don't, I just feel like people are doubting this guy. They don't really know much about him. He's a baller. Um, yeah, he's a baller. He's, no, he's good. Yeah. Yeah, he can really play. He can really score. And um, the Spurs are awful. <laughs> They're going to continue to be awful. I Part of this is just, Right now, they still got Trey Jones, who's playing, and if he's healthy, and uh, Vassell's been out for a while, and Kelton Johnson's still playing. Um, but I don't know about you, but I think that they're going to shut all three of those guys down, especially in the last month of the season. Definitely. I didn't, uh, I didn't think Vassell was going to come back, even when when he first got injured. Um, you know, people were asking me like in the, in the comment sessions, like, "Yo, should I take a stab? I see him on the way." I'm like, "I don't, yeah, I don't see why they would play him. Like, why? There's no motivation." Yeah. I'm holding him in one of my leagues where I have three IR slots and I'm comfortably in the playoffs. So there's just, I, I can then just see what happens. Yeah. But I mean, playoff, playoffs come around. If he's not playing, he's dropped. Yeah. Um, but um, when those three guys are all out, I mean, there's just, there's nothing on this team. Like Brandon's going to be possibly the number one option and him and Collins just like one, two for the last few months of the season. And even on these terrible teams, you can absolutely find guys who are worth worth owning and definitely minutes like... minutes and usage like that's really what it comes and, down to man <laughs> and it's and usage and that all goes back to the dfs stuff is that's the stuff you're tuned into when yeah. you're playing every night so you know who these guys are and you know who the pickups are so yeah i'm loving branham he's okay. already on in our writers league someone already got him <laughs> but uh, i'm liking him a lot um and uh would definitely be looking to sell um any of the main Spurs guys that are actually their main starters, if you can, to people who are less plugged in. Definitely. I agree. Uh, so the Hornets yeah. here, um, another, we got to talk about more shuts, shutdowns. Yeah. I mean, you think, you think Lamella is going to get shut down? It's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. Um, I can see it. I can see it. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, all right. So before the season started, I was like, yeah, there's a chance, right? Like you should kind of be careful with them because, yeah, you know, they're going to be pretty bad. But then as the yeah. season went on, I was like, yeah, but they're a young team, right? They got, you know, they're going to probably have young pieces and they're going to want to keep developing. Them. And, you know, Clifford is kind of like that kind of coach where, you know, you have to earn your, your you know, your minutes. You got to earn your stuff. And he likes to build kind of cohesion and things like that. But, you know, the injuries really sapped them. Right, Sap, you know, Lamelo, and and just the more that I think about it, I mean, they have a chance for Wembenyana, man. You know, yeah, like, it's like a very, very real yeah, chance. You know, I mean, they're they're they have one of the worst three records in the yeah, league right yeah. now. Yeah, so that. yeah, they're right there. So I mean, you know, now the calculus really changes, right? Like because you know, when you have a chance to get a general generational talent like that, I mean, I think you have to just for just from every perspective <laughs> imaginable, yeah. right? You have to take, you got, you got to go for it. So yeah, I think, um, I think the pendulum, the probabilities are definitely heightened. Um, you know, obviously it's not, it's not a hundred percent, but I, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's higher. Yep. So I would agree with that. And so I feel like Lamelo is a big shutdown risk. I feel like uh, Gordon Hayward is definitely a big shutdown risk. He's been really good recently. Yeah. If you can sell high on him, I, I would <laughs> for that exact reason, because he's got a nice stretch of games here and I don't see him playing at the end of the season. But um, Mark Williams obviously is the big winner here at the trade deadline that traded um, Plumley away yeah. and he's now the starter. Um, we'll see. I mean, like you just said, Clifford's one of these guys that they make him earn it. And Mark Williams was playing behind Nick Richards for a lot of the season. Um, but he's he's good, man. I, I I liked him a lot last year in college at Duke. Um, he's he's a big who he gives you the traditional big man stats. He's got the points, he's got the rebounds, he's got the blocks, but he does not kill you in free throws yeah. for category leagues, and that's big. Like, no, he's super athletic, super long. Like his wingspan is crazy. Um, you know, to your point, I read an article. I'm trying to remember exactly when. Maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, and so basically Clifford was like, or both Clifford and Jordan, they were like, yeah, you know, we had Williams behind, you know, Plumlee and Richards because, you know, he had to earn it. Right. But 
it got to a point where, you know, in practices, he was just dominating and he was earning the minutes. And then when he got a chance in the show, you know, he proved that he belonged. So then they were like, all right, you know, so then once that, that shift happened, then it was kind of game over for Richards. And then it was just a matter of time before Plumley got traded. So, yeah, now that he's gone, yeah. um, I think, uh, you know, they're just going to want to continue to have him develop and just give him minutes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a nice, juicy situation for him, for sure. Absolutely. The one, yeah, the one big thing I would look out for there, honestly, is with the Lamelo shutdown. It, we we have too small of sample sizes to just um, really make some like actual conclusions about this right now. But just noticing the games where Lamelo plays, he plays better. Which because of course he, he's he's a, he's a big man who doesn't create his yeah, own exactly. shot. He needs he, he yeah. needs those pass. Yeah, he needs to get those setups. So I mean, if they shut down Lamelo, even if Mark Williams is the starter, he's getting thirty minutes a night. He might not have the points, uh, the points upside that he has earlier in the season. So that's definitely something to look out definitely. for. Um, if he if he starts going on like a twenty ten and like three tear, like sell. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, we'll a, good point. I, that's I, a good point. That's a good point. But but I really like I really like him. And um, God, who's even? Uh, I guess uh, be Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. If uh, if Lamelo got shut down, that's another big one to look out for because that guy can put up. That guy can put up numbers yeah. when given the shot, the chance he'll destroy your efficiency. It'll definitely put up the counting stats. For sure. What about uh, Roger? Roger gets shut down too, right? I would think he would. Yeah. yeah, just he doesn't he doesn't fit the timeline. And yeah, Rozier's a weird player. They got a. I don't know why he, they, he fits. They should have traded him. I don't know why they didn't trade him. It's crazy. There may have not been there may not been a market for him. Honestly, I mean yeah. Rozier starts on on the Hornets, but in a lot of teams around the league, you look and I mean he's he's an undersized he's an undersized too. Yeah. He, he he is not an assist guy. He cannot run your offense. Then when he's been in that situation before, those teams are terrible. He's really just an undersized two. He's a scorer on most teams. He's a six man. Um, so I don't know if um, there were a lot of teams looking for him. Honestly, true. that's true. What do you think of PJ Washington? God, do they shut him uh, down? Did they shut him down too? I don't think they'd shut him down. Right? I think he's still young enough. Yeah. I, I think he's still young enough where they'll play him and they. At a certain point, you can't shut everyone down. There's only so many minutes to go around. But <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe they, but they might. I mean, they might because they got um who they got there. They got JT Thor, Thor yeah. and uh, Thor and uh, there's one other guy I'm forgetting about. Kai Jones. Um, Kai Jones. Them. That's the one. Yeah. And they might want to see what they have in those guys mm-hmm. at some point. Um, I'm personally not a huge believer in either of those guys as NBA players. Um, I think they're. I think there's a lot of guys who get drafted every year just based off tools who don't actually have any basketball skill yeah. and those seem to be those P- guys honestly potential potential we, potential we can teach them that's that's the mantra we can teach them <laughs> they're they're long and athletic exactly. we can we can teach yeah. them how to play basketball it's like no i mean both those guys showed have shown some flashes and i get why they're drafted yeah. but i i don't buy their their long-term future and even if those guys do play and pj washington does shake up does uh, get shut down. I wouldn't prioritize those guys as pickups. I just don't really see what they do for fantasy or for real life basketball. Yeah, no, for sure. But, you, you know, early, you know, back in the day, like I was kind of adhered to the uh, Al Davis Madden drafting style, just click, you know, sort by speed and the physical attributes. Um, so I understand why front offices do it, you know, because, you know, there's, you can't teach, you know, seven, three wingspan. You can't teach, you know, six eleven height, things like that, what a 42 inch vert, whatever. But, you know, now is like, um, as I become older and wiser and a more grizzled veteran of this game, uh, yeah, I definitely gravitate more towards the, you know, the intangibles, the skill aspect. You know, obviously there has to be some semblance of athleticism, right? You can't just like get smoked off the floor. But um, yeah, I, I definitely put a bigger priority on those things because, um, yeah, man, there's certain things like, you know, IQ wise, just feel the game skill wise, like at the end of the day, th- those are the most important things like you got to be able those to are, play those right? are, yeah, yeah absolutely play, and right? <laughs> and not and not understanding those things is to get burned on some guys too so a lot of the times when we're talking about this we're talking about those later in the season young guys and the pickups but i mean where did christian wood go in drafts this year like fourth sixth rounds somewhere around there depending on the league and i mean this guy if you only if you only looked at box scores you'd be like man christian wood is amazing yeah, right, how yeah. does this guy how does this guy <laughs> not get playing time yeah. what is, what are the Mavericks doing but then you actually watch a game and it's like oh That's i get a, it now yeah. and for anyone out there who has not watched a Mavericks game go watch a Mavericks game <laughs> and when christian wood is on the court only look at him he does not he does not do the defensive rotations he's supposed to do anytime the ball is in his hands he is chucking a three or immediately just taking a really 
<laughs> ill-intentioned drive to the basket and just throwing up some garbage. And I mean, the guy, the guy's got some talent, but he doesn't play within the team concept. And there's a reason why he's been relegated to the bench. And if, yeah, and you got, you got to know those things. You got to know who's, who's actually good at basketball because it, it's, um, fantasy basketball is about the stats, but, uh, the real life stuff is what leads to the stats. So you got to know that. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, it's like, Joel and I have discussed this earlier in earlier pods, but you know, like there's a reason why like Wood went undrafted, right? There's a yeah. reason why he's been tossed around along the league. Like how many teams? One, two, three, four, five, six, right? Six teams, like with not including G League teams, right? So there's a reason why. And you know, like like Jalen Smith, right? Suns used a high draft pick on him and then they let him go to Indiana. And like you know, yeah. I, I fell for the banana tailpipe for sure. I, but I, you know, I, I got burned. Yeah. I got burned by yeah. that one of my dynasty league. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but but you know, I think like I'm learning from that stuff because it's like, man, you know, there's a reason why these teams are getting rid of them, right? There's there's information that we're not privy to, but they see this guy every day, right? And then you know they spend the top ten pick on this guy and they're willing to let him go. And then so they so now my antenna is like, right? It's like, yo, all right, you know, there's. You know, there's a reason, right? So we need to like yeah, think absolutely. about that for sure. That's uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Christian Wood is the poster really boy like, for sure. <laughs> he really is the poster boy of that. And like, no, and I I like Jalen Smith coming out of the draft, and I didn't understand why he didn't get playing time on the Sun. So I was really excited for him to get traded, and then I watched enough of him. Now, yeah, like, now oh, you know, <laughs> he's 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 too skinny to play center. He doesn't rebound well. He's not that great of a rim protector, and his only thing that he does on offense is pick and pop. Yeah. And he's not actually a good enough three point shooter to really shoot those with volume in an NBA offense. So he just doesn't really do anything at the NBA level. I kind of think he's going to be out of the league in a few years, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah, it might be. It's crazy. Hey, did you did you ever play when you were younger? Best like at the actual sport. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah um, organized no um i mean pick i'm up. uh yeah pick up i played in cot so in college i made a bunch of friends with uh, people who uh really like playing pickup okay. so i did some intramural nice. and some pickup there but um but no in real life um i'm tall so i'm six one so okay. i can play a little uh i can play a little junkyard center nice, in uh, nice. non-competitive leagues but um no in real life uh i have no handle my jump shot is suspect and uh i'm pretty much the energy rebounds guy nice, so, nice. i like it i'm playing I'm playing a rec league in March. We'll see how that goes. I like um, it. All right, so get in rebounds, set in set in mean back picks, uh, diver for loose oh, yeah. balls. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's the game. <laughs> gotta gotta impact uh, impact the team in the ways that I actually can. Hit the open three occasionally. That's pretty much where I'm at. You, you, you have range. You have range from downtown. I can uh, okay. I can hit a few. I can hit them. I mean, um, it's at least from the high school. At least from the high school line. Nice, but, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. All right, man. Uh, Pistons. Dig into the Pistons here. Yeah, so, oh, my God. I I hate what happened here at the trade deadline for them. I thought that – I thought that um, – I don't get them trading Bay. I really don't. Um, I thought that um, – I don't get the Warriors wanting Bay. I don't know. Maybe maybe Bay's one of these guys, bad, uh, uh, decent stats on a bad team, who's not actually a good player, and we're going to get fooled by him. But um, I, th- I thought he was a better player than what he actually – the value that he went for. So I was confused why the Warriors didn't want him. But um, – so he's not there anymore, and uh, they still have Bogdanovich, who I was really convinced was going to be traded. That I really don't get. They were like, there were reports that they wanted a first-round pick for him, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but right now, the current situation is that uh, they really, I, I expect Bogdanovich to be shut down at some point, like these other vets that we talked about on these bad teams. And that, that I would say the people to look out for is Jay Nivey takeover. Um, I don't know how. He's he's gonna kill your efficiency. We know this already. Yeah. But in terms of just pure in terms of just pure counting stats, um, you remember what Jalen Green did last year after yeah. the All Star break? That's why I yeah. took him way too. That's why I took <laughs> Jalen Green way too early in my drafts this year. Yeah. Got him in the writers' league. Got him in another right, league. Right. But but no, it's like even in the pre silly season of like real silly season, a lot of guys rest and a lot of um, these teams that are kind of locked into playoff spots are just not playing as hard night in night out and it allows these younger guys especially like super athletic guys like Jalen Green or Jaden Ivey to just out hustle people on a night-to-night basis and really just put up some crazy lines so really be looking out for Jaden Ivey to step it up here after the all-star break um I think he's got a really good shot to uh just lead them in uh, scoring once the bogey shutdown happens um Killian Hayes is another one to look out for um he just got dropped in our league and I got him um He's 
he's a bad real life basketball <laughs> player. Um, he's, he is, he is a not long for this world as a starter. He's a starter right now. Um, but I don't, I expect this to be the last season that he ever starts on an NBA team, to be quite honest with you. Um, Kevin O'Connor shout out. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, no, but he's, but for fantasy, um, he, he has value, especially in non-cat leagues because, uh, once again, he's a guy who's going to kill your efficiency, but he can put up some decent points. He's great assist guy. He's good rebounder for a guard. And the steals, the steals are where he's going to give you a lot of uh, a lot of value. So I really like him a lot. And then I would just be watching this front court situation mm-hmm. in general. So I I think Wiseman is worth a speculative ad in some in some deeper leagues. Um, I just we just don't know how this is going to work out. The reports after directly after the trade was that the front office prioritized Wiseman and they want him to start. In the first game that they played, um, we only have a one game sample size right now, which is pretty much nothing. Uh, Duran started, but they, they it was a complete platoon. Just terrible. It's the worst situation for fantasy that they're both playing 24 minutes a game because neither of them can actually get enough usage in minutes to really make it worth owning them in standard formats. Um, but if for whatever reason they really prioritize Wiseman and the front office tells the coach, like, hey, you need to do this or you're fired, then. Wiseman ends up getting 30 minutes a game. I think he's worth a he's worth looking at. Um, he's we don't really know who he is as a basketball player. He's barely played um, at any level since high school. Um, but all we know is that he's super raw, he's super athletic, and we'll see what happens. Um, but he could definitely be a traditional big man stats guy if he gets the chance. Um, and I'm sad about Duran because he was absolutely killing it. And I think Duran's probably a better real life player than Wiseman. For but... sure, for sure. He was beasting, like you know. And it's just it's just really. Like, I understand the gamble, right? And I think it's a good gamble to take for a franchise like Detroit. But, you know, at the same time, man, I mean, Duran is super young, and he showed that, you know, like he's able to, to play in the league at both ends of the floor. So I don't understand why you don't want to develop him with when Cade Cunningham comes back next year, right? Because you can't play, yeah. play Duran and Wiseman together. So, no, absolutely yeah, you know, and I don't so And I don't great. understand what they're doing because... Bagley is still on. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> I know. It's, I know. I know. It's easy to forget because he's been out yeah. for like a couple months now. Yeah. But he's gonna. I mean, he's he's slated to come back like very very soon. I think he's he's probably gonna be playing within a week or two. And that's another non-shooter you have in the front court. So and they're playing him at the four, not the five, which I guess you have to because he plays negative defense. Yeah, he, but he can't play five. But you know, yeah, may, but maybe I, maybe they're just playing the long con here. And so in the off season, like they'll get stuff for Bojan and Wiseman, or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's the only thing. That's the I only thing I can think of. Yeah. I'd feel like Bojan's got to be out of there in the off season, and they'll reevaluate what his value is then. But I feel like his his value is at an all time high right now. I really don't get what they're doing. Yeah, but yeah, in the they basically they basically swapped Bay for Wiseman, and I guess Bay at his best is probably just like. A standard wing who's not really much of a needle mover but i don't know those guys are rare those guys are hard to find in the nba like legit two-way wings who can actually shoot the ball and he's one of them i don't uh, we'll see what happens yeah. but i i like him more than wiseman long term as just a real life basketball player but yeah we'll see yeah we shall see it's yeah it's uh just interesting on many levels for sure um yeah i mean I, they're probably going to split 24-24 down the middle, the center rotation. I don't see why. Uh, you know, I don't see why they want it. I hope, <laughs> I hope not. But no, you're probably right. That is probably what's going to end up being. In which case, either the, both of them only have value in deep leagues in that case, yeah. which is terrible. But it is what it is. But you know, in DFS, uh, if we're going to go full circle yeah. here, both their prices are going to be way lower yeah, now yeah, yeah. because uh, because yeah, the algorithm's going to take into account that's their nightly role. So. Yeah. If either of those guys are out on any given night and they actually get 30 minutes, yeah. then those are really good opportunities for you to run with them and a low price play. Yeah. I, the, the most recent tournament I won was getting uh, Jalen Duran on that uh, huge night he had at like 10% ownership. Nice. So, nice. There we go. Yeah, no, that's great. Oh, how, oh, last thing before we head out. Um, how much do you factor in or look into projected ownership numbers? So. I honestly don't use like a service for like the project, actual projected ownership, okay. and I don't think I don't think you need to because yeah. one I I don't I don't play for enough money to really make those services worth it for the, in the first place. But I think if you really if you do this often and you know what you're doing, you don't need a service to tell you what the projected you'll ownership yeah. is. You can just you can, you'll just you'll just know who's going to be chalk and who's going to be low owned and whatever. Like yeah, if a team's playing the Cavs, or everyone on them's going to be low owned. If a team's playing the Heat, everyone's going to be low owned. Whatever, all these slower paced teams. Yeah. Um, 
I take it into account just for tournaments that you can't have a lineup of every single guy is going to be absolute chalk or if even if you win you're splitting the prize yeah. but i think people um I, th- I feel like people can overvalue it a little bit like i said earlier because you can you don't want to get stuck in that box of going too outside uh too crazy because you're just not going to win consistently that way because yeah once in a while you get like chetty osman who pops off but like that doesn't happen very often yeah, yeah. And, um, there's no other, re- the other the... go ahead sorry oh sorry go no, ahead. no no go for it I was going to say the one other thing I actually think is very overrated in DFS is okay. the uh, defense per- defenses versus specific positions. So there's a few. There's a few. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a few specific matchups where it's useful, especially with centers, for example. So there's like some where, um, like centers versus Charlotte for years now has been cake. We'll see it now. Now it's a completely different rotation, right. so we don't know whether Mark Williams is bad against centers. I would imagine he's not, yeah. but it might so it might also just be the scheme. We really don't know. I have a feeling Zach Collins is going to be cake against centers. There's a few of these sure. that there's a few of these that you, you can target and don't play centers against Jokic. But um, but overall, I mean, I I see people looking at stats of just like oh wings in the last five games against X team <laughs> yeah. like haven't done much. It's like that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like you're not you're you're not most of the time you're not even taking into account like the actual like um, quality of those players and the um, the rotations night in night out can be completely different. Exactly. So I mean, they change talking, yeah, so you're talking, yeah. yeah. So you're talking about, Oh, wings, but this, this uh, night it's a completely different player defending the wing yeah. than it was the other night in the sample size they're talking about. And I feel like people, like you said, with the totals, totals are a good place to start. You don't want to play games that are going to be super, super slow. Um, you need, you do need to have those ceiling plays, but um, yeah, I just feel like it's overvalued. People will box themselves in, into being like, oh, uh, Charlotte's playing this night. I have to play the center who's playing Charlotte. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah, if, yeah. Especially that's a way that's a way you can get different and still not be crazy because you know everyone's going to be doing that and there's still good plays exactly. that are not that. And that's how you get different. No, that's absolutely. No, that's good stuff. Um, everybody, you know, if you want to learn more about uh, Rory's DFS process and to kind of dig in, you know, just DFS in general, uh, go check out his pod. Uh, why don't you pimp that again, Rory? Yeah, it's the B-Ball Oracle Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Find it on Spotify. And episodes drop whenever I have time. <laughs> nice. All right, man. Yo, this was awesome. Uh, really appreciate you you know, taking the time out to join with me. Um, we'll definitely get you on again. Everyone check out Rory's uh, DFS article. It's a Wednesdays, right? Wednesdays, yeah, yeah. Wednesdays, check it out. And then you know, check out the B-Ball Oracle pod. And uh, till next time, my man. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Appreciate All it. All right. Take it easy, bro. You too.